any chance I get to talk to Latinas, particularly Latinas that I identify with, that have my story, I'm always trying to get them to go to law school yeah. if they're remotely interested. You know, our voice needs to be out there. It's an opportunity for them not only to feel empowered, but to empower others too. So I would absolutely encourage Latinas to do it. This is Sandra Munoz, and you're listening to another episode of Law and Order Me Some Tacos. And today, like other episodes, I have a very special guest. You say that about everybody. I do. It's not. It, that is actually true, <laughs> but I do mean it. And it's a really, really an honor for me. I've, I've had to really persuade her to be here. Uh, joining me is Judy Perez. What's up? What's up, Judy? Hi, Judy. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. But it's an honor for me to be here. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy and honored that you selected me as a guest. So thank you for that. Judy is a friend of mine, and she is also an attorney. We've known each other for many, many years. And I'm going to ask you, Judy, first of all, to tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you grew up. My parents are from Mexico. My mom is from Colima. My dad's from Jalisco. You know, like I'm sure a lot of the folks that that listen to your show um, probably share a similar story. They're from little ranchos in Mexico. Um, and, uh, you know, they immigrated here, gosh, I think it was in 1970. My parents actually met here, though, so they didn't meet in Mexico. Oh, they met here mm-hmm. in the United States? They did, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, actually, right, uh, my, my parents, they ended up living with the same lady. You know how immigrants sometimes have to share an apartment and lots of folks live there. Yeah. So they met there and... Um, and yeah, and so they uh, they we, they got married. Where, where? In, in the United States, in LA? Oh yeah, in LA. Yes, I'm sorry. And uh, right around Albany, right by Loyola Law School, actually. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lived there, and um, then you know got married. Uh, we grew up in Highland Park. I uh, moved to Highland Park ever since I was uh, like nine months old. Mm. So uh, it was a very different Highland Park back then than it is now. But so uh, you were Highland Park. Born and raised. Yes, Highland Park, born and raised. Old school Highland Park. That's right. Very old school. Yeah, very different. Um, That said, my parents still live there. Um, You know, again, very similar history to a lot of folks. You know, my mom uh, was a costurera. She she worked pretty much, you know, in in fabricas her whole life. And um, my dad had odd jobs. But for for the most part, when I was a kid, he was a verdulero. So he sold fruits and vegetables from a truck. Um, we would go help him, you know, sell every once in a while too. Um, so like driving around in like neighborhoods and selling to residents or was he like selling to businesses or no, no to residents. Cause back in the eighties, there was hardly any Mexican, um, markets and stuff. Like there wasn't like a North gate or, you know, super all over the place. So no había tortillas, you know, queso seco and stuff like that. So he actually started just selling tortillas and then um, to, to mo- not in not in the L.A. area. It was more like North Hollywood and like in the Valley because mm. there was less um, less of those stores there. So that's where he did that. That makes sense because I grew up in East L.A. So that's always been very Mexican. Correct. And yes. there was, you know. Yeah, pero ya no había. so it was mm. all like, you know, they didn't have that stuff. So we started selling tortillas, and then he started with the queso seco, and then it was just fruits and vegetables, and then we, we grew. But then eventually, like in the early 90s, there was more competition, as he called it. So there was more verduleros, and so he did something else. But for a good probably 15 years is what he did. Wow, that's mm-hmm. pretty incredible, right? Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, started his own little business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Perez Produce. Yeah, he wrote it with a little stencil on the side of the door there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's totally awesome. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up in East LA, I hated Saturdays and Sundays because we had to go with the big pot to La Favorita Tortilleria to get menudo. Walking? Or did yeah, you go, oh, yeah wow. walking. Yeah, well, I mean, it was literally like not even a block away. But, oh, you know, I just I hated I hated having yeah. to go. I always try to get hot out of it. Pot. Yeah, yeah big old hot ass pot with menudo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. So we, I mean, it was kind of similar, only we didn't sell anything hot. But it, I, we, I remember we would have to like clean, uh, pick out the rotten vegetables. Mm. And, you know, it was it was too rotten to sell, but not rotten for us to eat. So I don't know, is this TMI? But we would, um, my mom would be like, no tira los jitomates because, you know, they were still good on one side. So yeah. my mom would like cut the podrido side off and then we would eat the good side. That was for us, you know. So but, you know what I mean? Mexicans have been recycling. <laughs> and, exactly. And, you know, using mm-hmm. produce up 
for many, many years. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, that, that was, you know, I grew up in a very, um, very, I would say traditional Mexican household, you Mm -hmm. know, very Catholic, um, you know, uh, we would, we had like farm animals in the backyard, you know, con las gallinas, the rooster, um, you know, we'd kill our own chivos for, um, the communions and the parties. <laughs> I've heard you say that before. I mean, I didn't have that over here. Really? You didn't no. kill a chivo ever? No, I don't, I have not killed a goat. Uh, well, I didn't kill it myself. The, the yeah. man took care of that, but. But you took, you had a goat that you eventually we, we had a few, yeah. We had a few that we ate. That sounds really bad. But yeah, I mean, we, but we ate them, you know? Yeah. So, so, yeah. So back in the 80s, you would just go to Chino. That's where you'd get your chivos. And um, like whenever it was a communion or something, because, you know, chivos are expensive. So it wasn't like we did this every weekend. It was like, you know, it was, you know, it, it was, uh, we, we were, we were um, celebrating. Yes, yeah. yes. And what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it was, it was a feast, you know, whenever we were going to make birria, obviously, yeah. with it. Um, indulgence, that's the word I'm looking for. And, um, you know, and it, and it fed a lot of folks, you know, I have a big family. And so my parents would usually go buy the goat, you know, a few days before and they wanted it. They could have just brought back the meat, but they wanted it to be bien fresco, right? So they insisted on taking care of the goat um, at the house. So you'd bring the back the goat live? Correct. Yes, we had a station wagon and we would tie it up in the back. And um, me and my sister would um, befriend the goat for the days that it was with us. Yes. It was kind of sad, actually. We would, you know, name it and whatnot, sometimes take photos with it. And then it was dinner a few days later. Well, so that's, yeah. That's really lovely story. Yeah, you know, it's but circle of you, life, Mija, circle of life. I agree. So, but then you would, to- then you would kill the, the goat in your house in Highland Park. Uh, yeah. I, should I be agreeing to that? Is, it, is that legal? I don't know. I don't I, think the statute of limitations oh, has right. passed. That's, I think you're true. okay. Yeah. yeah. Allegedly. 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 True. I don't recall, yes. but that's what I've been told. <laughs> That happened. So, um, yeah, it was just to, you know, to guarantee freshness. Yeah, I mean, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, okay, so you grew up pretty old school. Pretty OG, yeah. Pretty yeah. OG. I'll, I'll, I'll share, I'll share, I know you've heard the story before, but I'll share my, my runaway goat story yes, with please. your audience so that they can kind of capture, you know. Get a little taste of, a little the, Perez taste of the Perez household. Yeah, so one of these times that... Um, that we had purchased a goat, you know, we, um, I think it was the one for my communion, actually. It was, uh, we bought it a few days before and we had tied it up in the, in the little like yard area that we had next to the house, you know, and it was tied up by the neck with a rope or what have you. And then, um, I think it was like the day before the party, all of a sudden we hear our neighbor saying, Senora, pancha, salga, pancha. And we were like, what's going on? And we go outside and the the pinchy goat has is like hang. It was trying to make a run for it, so it was like hanging over the gate, like oh, choking no. itself. Oh no! So my dad was very agile at the time, and you know he had spent a good what 175, yeah. 200 bucks for the goat. So in it, we weren't ready to. And in the eighties, that's a lot of money. Oh, I mean, it lot. is now, but that's yes, yeah. it was a lot, and we weren't ready, you know, to prepare the goat yet. So right. we wanted it to be alive and. Um, so my dad jumped the fence and picked up the goat, you know, so like, so that it wouldn't suffocate or, uh, choke itself. And so he tells my mom, he's like, cuando yo te diga que le sueltes, le sueltes, you know, to the rienda, right? Yeah. So somewhere there, there was some miscommunication about when my mom was supposed to release the rope and she prematurely released the rope. <laughs> so the goat just takes off. It jumps out of my dad's arms and it just takes off. It runs down Raber Street runs down Avenue 56 in Highland Park. <laughs> and my dad played soccer at the time, so he was like in really good shape. And he chased that goat all the way down Avenue 56. <laughs> it made it to Figueroa. Those of you guys that oh, know shoot. Highland Park, that's far. It made it to Figueroa and made a right. So it was heading west on Figueroa. And then right when it got to about the um, the Bank of America, it, my dad tired it out. And the goat just slowed down, and he was able to grab the rienda and get it. And then... Um, so, you know, he saved my communion feast and he called my mom collect, which, you know, collect, that was expensive too. For the younger people, that's, <laughs> I don't even know if they know what collect what pay, calls. Or what a payphone what is. What a payphone is. Yeah. And they, uh, and yeah, and he called my mom and he was like super upset and he's like, ven por me. And so we got the station wagon and, and went to go pick up my dad and the goat. So, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how I grew up. But you know what? Kudos to your dad because that's a long run. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a good Probably a good mile and change. Mm -hmm. And then running after a goat. That's right. So it was, yeah, full speed. (laughs) Full speed sprint, yeah. 
He had some hit cardio there. Ah, the goat. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's, that's how you grew of, up. That was how, how I grew up. That's you right. and your sister. Yes, my sister Monica. She, uh, it was just I know it's not the typical Mexican family, right? Because it was just uh, just two of us. We're eleven months apart to the day. So for one uh, for one month, we're the same age. Um, we're very, very close growing up. We were very close as well. My parents were always kind of weird about us having friends growing up. Like yeah. they didn't want us to go to casas ajenas and yeah. you know, stuff like that. Y las malas juntas and what have you. So, um, my mom would always say, si quieres una amiga, ahí está tu amiga. And so we would just always hang out together. Um, and it was cool. Like we, we, we did bicker every once in a while, but we overall had a very good relationship. Um, I think, as I mentioned, my parents were very Catholic. We we went to Catholic school yeah. our whole life. They where did you go to Catholic school? Um, for elementary school at Saint Ignatius in Highland Park, and then after that, we went to Sacred Heart of Jesus in Lincoln Heights. Mm. Mm-hmm. Had a brief stint in public school for UCLA. You did? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what that is, I thought it your and then well, actually, K I through twelve. K through twelve was all Catholic. K school. through yeah, actually yes, with the exception of summer school for two days. Um, I begged. I really wanted to try public school because I'd never been, and so. Um, I begged my mom to let me go to uh, summer school at Eagle Rock High School. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a little bit of a shock for me because, you know, I mean, not that like Sacred, Sacred Heart was like one of the poorest, one of the poorest high schools in the Archdiocese. So it's not like it was some celeb, you know, all yeah. girl school. But but um, but it's a lovely it's a lovely place to be. You know, it's all about familia and, you know, taking care of each other, very small groups, very small classrooms. Um, so it was a very different environment than like a much larger public school. So I kind of had a hard time for the, the day and a half that I was there. <laughs> you I, made it through a day and a half. I did. Well, you know, it was just, it was, it was very different. I remember the class sizes were huge and I, you know, I sat in the front of the class cause I was, that's what I normally like to do. And the instructor I felt was not really explaining the lesson and I wanted to understand more. So I had questions and he wouldn't answer my questions and everybody was talking and I turned around and I'd shush the class. You and did that, didn't, that didn't really go over very well. So, yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to Sacred Heart. So that was my my day and a half yeah, <laughs> of public school. Of public school. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of and I, I've said this on another episode. I think a lot a lot of the people that I know who are lawyers now, a lot of the Latinos I know who are lawyers have gone to Catholic school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't you know, it is interesting. I agree with you. I think a lot of the folks I work with, too, also have because, yeah. you know, so um I mean, I know that it's arguably controversial maybe about sending your kids there for various reasons, but at least my experience was really good, you know, so. Well, definitely something's all right, right, because so many of you move on to college and postgraduate degrees. Mm -hmm. So that's, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and as I've said in in another episode specifically, we'll leave the Catholic school and the Catholic religion to another episode. (laughs) (laughs) I am, am, and I have probably stated this many times, I am a product of the LAUSD, Mm -hmm. because as you know, I went to Garfield High School. Well, but dude, but Garfield, it's funny you say that, because when I was driving over here, like I saw the banners for the Garfield. I don't know what they put in the water at Garfield or what, and I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you. Garfield is an amazing high school. Yeah. It really is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've I've. Why hired, do you say that? Well, I've hired so many folks from Garfield. Mm. I know so many lawyers from Garfield. Yeah. They just do amazing things. It's they have amazing alumni. So again, I I don't know what like the emphasis, what the mission statement is with with that schooling, but it's but it's 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 produced excellent individuals. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who have gone to Garfield and and been able to accomplish quite a bit. I mean, Roosevelt too. Roosevelt being our our uh, rival. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Roosevelt has Antonio Villaraigosa, for example. Exactly, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, no, that's all I can remember. Sorry, Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So so you went to Catholic school. You grew up in Highland Park. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> grew up, you know, in a little rancho in Highland Park. That's right. <laughs> and then you went to UCLA. I did, you yes. D- and with your sister, right? Yeah, so she paved the way. She, yeah. she went first, and... Um, you know, we we lived together at UCLA as well. As I mentioned, we're very close, so um, we sh- we lived together there in Westwood. That was a bit of a culture shock oh, for I sure. Bet. Yeah, like I didn't know that people went to coffee shops. And really? Tr- yeah, I'd never heard of coffee bean or Starbucks like ever. I was like, what? You know, I graduated high school '94, so that was in the '90s, and I I mean, there was no Starbucks back. That was before Magic Johnson, so there was no Starbucks. You know, before Magic Johnson expanded all the Starbucks and put them in like inner cities. <laughs> 
yes. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, he did do that. I, I, yeah, yeah, he did do that. I, yeah, so, well, there wasn't one in Island Park, I'll tell you that much. Oh, there is now. Yeah, I mean, you would get, like, your coffee at 7-Eleven or El Pavo, and that was it. You wouldn't go hang out. Yeah. And then I would remember, like, I'd see the, the girls, like, have their, like, f- like these these drinks that looked so tasty but i had no idea what they were you know and i didn't know how to order them but um anyway yeah it was culture shock in many different ways i'm surprised your parents let you go live at ucla i am too yeah i am too yeah they you know my parents like i said were super strict super rancho but when it came to education they were like whatever it takes Mm. um i'll do you one better when we were in high school they actually let us live at uc santa barbara we were so between the junior senior year uh, UCSB had this program. They have, still have something similar, but I think it's called something else. It was the Summer Juniors program. Uh-huh. And um, my sister went first. And the only reason she went and she found out about it was because my sister, being the overachiever that she is, um, l- would volunteer during her high school years at the L.A. County Hospital, mm. at General Hospital on the Children's Ward. And um, she volunteered so many hours that she got the L.A. County Volunteer of the Year Award when she was in high school, of course, Monica, yes. <laughs> and um, so her supervisor at the hospital was, you know, obviously very impressed with her, kind of knew her story. And he's like, you know, you should really apply to this program. Um, and she's like, there's no way my parents would ever let me go to Santa Barbara. And mm. so he was like, can I go talk to your parents? Mm. And he, she's like, okay. And so, you know, my parents were like super old school and stuff. And, but, but, you know, when, when a, an authority figure wanted to come and see them, they were never going to say no. Right? right. So, right. um, so Osvaldo was his name. I remember he came over and that was the first time I tried cheesecake. I'd never heard or <laughs> Like when he's like, I bought a cheesecake. I was like, cheesecake? Like, like it just sounded weird. I didn't know that it didn't right. sound like a dessert to me. Man, I was so good. But anyway, I always think of him when I think of cheesecake. But in any event, he bought a cheesecake. And um, yeah, and he talked to my parents about the program. And he was like, you know, va a estar bien cuidada, no va a estar sola, blah, blah, blah. And my parents were like, okay, well, let's apply and see. Because they were like, they they had every excuse. But, you know, we don't have any money and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they're like, you don't have to worry about anything. So she applied, got in, got a full ride. Um and they let her stay up there. We would go every weekend to see her. And it was a, a great experience because you got college. It was a college prep, right? Yeah. You got to take college courses. And then obviously the following year I did, I applied and I did the same program too. So um, yeah, my parents were in that way ahead of their time, I guess. Like, you know, yeah. my mom has uh, like a third grade education. You know, she has difficulty reading and writing, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, and my dad, um, he can read and write well, but he's probably got the equivalent of like middle school education. Mm-hmm. But despite that, they always really stress education. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've, this is like a, a repeated theme where, where maybe our parents weren't, they were not, they didn't go to college, probably didn't graduate from high school. I'm just talking about a lot of people that I've talked to. Mm-hmm. But there's that emphasis on education and they understand the importance of it. And so from that comes all of these children that have accomplished so much because we should say Monica is a doctor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, yeah, my, again, my, so try telling my parents they weren't amazing parents, right? Because they're like, Ay, te cabrona, you know, because one's a doctor and one's a lawyer. So. I mean, you know, it's hard to. Yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. hard to. Yeah. Dispute that they were great parents because. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, it was, yeah, they were super duper strict, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like you said, they, they definitely valued education and like, you know, they saw it as like our only job was to get straight A's and yeah. they really stressed that a lot. Yeah. I Because re- I remember too, when I was in law school, like when you're taking exams, finals or, you know, midterms, like my mom didn't understand what any of that was, right? Like she didn't understand torts or you know, contract law or civil procedure. But she understood that I needed to take these exams and I needed to pass them to keep going, you know, or even when I was taking the bar, studying for the bar. And so she always, 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 always encouraged me and she would always tell me, echale ganas, echale ganas. I mean, she still tells me that to this day, but um, it's just, she understood the importance of education. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And your mom is what? How far ahead did she get? You know, my mom probably finished... High, the equivalent of high school in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Because she was a teacher at some point in Mexico. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was, um, you know, before she came to the United States, before she came to the United States, she was undocumented when she came over here. But she had built a business. She had built, she had a store, like a store that sold, you know, groceries and goods and Juarez. Oh. And it was a very, very successful store. And she had made a lot of money, actually. 
Um, but then she ended up coming to the United States because she found uh, she found out her husband was married to another woman wow. and had a whole other family. Oh, so she couldn't find herself. She oh. couldn't come out of that. And, and so, she had how many kids when she found this out? Four. Jingus. Yeah. Yeah. So she came to the United States and she left, you know, my brothers and sisters there in the care of her sister. And why did she leave? Just to kind of escape it all, you think? Or? She could not deal with the breakup. It was heartbreaking for her. It was devastating. Well, because, I mean, literally her husband had a whole other family. And he left her or he was like, hey, be cool. Yeah, no, stay. he left her. Yeah. So she was devastated. She has told the story about how devastated she was, on not on many occasions. And it was really heartbreaking for her. So she couldn't find what to do. So she just decided to come to the United States. Wow. Yeah. On her own, you know. Yeah. She was um, in her 30s when she came here. Okay. It's kind yeah. of like my mom. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And who did she come to stay with? Uh, she knew some woman that she came and she was she came and stayed there. Wow. Yeah. See, that's kind of my mom, too. She didn't come with family. She just came to stay with the, with, yeah. with the woman. My mom met my dad here in the United States. She always tells the story about how when she was walking to work, he was always, there was a, he lived in a house where there was a peach tree, and she always wanted to steal peaches from the tree, but he was always there. <laughs> What was he doing? Just like chilling in the front yard? I think he was kind of like checking her out. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he kind of liked her, you mm -hmm. know? And so he, she was always upset because she wouldn't, he wouldn't let her steal the peaches mm -hmm. until one day. There was nothing like, like I can't tell you this great love story between my mom and my father because that's not what it was. My father basically told my mom, you know, if you want, I'll marry you and I'll bring your children to the United States because he was a citizen. Wow. He was born here. So eventually they talked and she must have told him her story. Yeah. Yeah, they would talk, right? Because she would mm. walk by his house every day to go to work. And so they, you know, started talking. And then he, I think it was really pretty straightforward the way he proposed it. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how they, they got together. Um, and then that's how I was born, you know? Oh, wow. So yeah, my mom always um, is very grateful for my father because he was, he, you know, this was in the 60s. Wow. When... You know, immigration was not what it is now. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't super, super complicated for my dad to marry my mom and bring my brother and, my brother and sisters here. That's how they got here. So mm -hmm. anyway, this is a really interesting story behind um, people's journeys here to the yeah. United States, you know. And so often people are depicted as, I mean, they're just, immigrants are depicted in this very, like, monolithic way. And. There's just all these varied stories to people's journeys here, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. So I sometimes I feel like I still don't have all of my parents' story, and I still don't quite get what happened. You know, I think so many things are taboo, and so many things they don't want to tell kids. And you know, they even though we're good and grown, they still see us as children, so they don't want to tell us what really happened. Yeah. I definitely still feel like there's some of that in my family. Yeah. You know, it's super important to try to get those stories, you know, because obviously our parents, well, none of us are going to be here forever, you know, and. Mm -hmm. Those stories are so, like, important to tell and to share. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, you went to UCLA. What was, yes. What was your major in UCLA? My major was political science, like most other lawyers, you did, know. Did you always know you wanted to be a lawyer? No, no. You know, my mom, I don't really remember this, but my mom tells me that when I was little, I always wanted to be a waitress at Big Boy <laughs> because I just thought they were, like, they were so pretty and I loved their uniforms whenever we would go. I mean, we wouldn't go all the time because that was expensive, right? But, like, every once in a while after Mass, we would go to Big Boy there in Highland Park um, on York Boulevard. And um, I just, I wanted to... You see, in the service industry, I wanted to work with people. Yeah. See? So I wanted yeah. to, um, I wanted to do that. And then at some point, I think they took me to Ringling Brothers, and I think I wanted to be a clown. And then <laughs> eventually, I didn't really start like thinking about being a lawyer until I think it was probably high school. Again, I didn't. I'm sure, like you, I didn't know a single lawyer my whole life. I had never met one. I didn't really know what they did. Um, there was a couple of things that happened in high school. I think that started like to pique my interest. I mean, in high school, you eventually know what a lawyer is, although you don't know exactly what they do, right? Because right. you like watch TV and movies and whatnot. But I remember in my high school, we didn't really have a career day at the time regularly. But as far as I recall, when I was there in the 90s, we only had one career day. And I remember um, one of the alums came back and she was a lawyer. And I and I really wish I knew her name. I don't I can't remember her name. I just remember she was wearing a red suit 
and a white top and um and her and she was a lawyer and she talked and i remember thinking what she's a lawyer like i thought it was crazy that a lawyer what like went to my high school and she came back and she and i was like of course i was like oh well she can't be like me i'm sure her story is different and i remember she shared her story and i was like oh my god it's just just like me Mm -hmm. and i was like wow that seems really cool and um you know she talked about being a lawyer and at the time every once in a while my mom would tell me even though she didn't know know any lawyers either she would whenever i'd upset her because i'd find loopholes in her arguments about why i couldn't go to dances or why i couldn't do stuff and i'd be like you know i'd like cross-examine her i guess without knowing and she would be like i so I guess all that together kind of um, made me think like, huh, maybe I could be a lawyer. And then um, I've always kind of, I always did like American history and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we didn't have uh, political science in, in uh, high school, but we had, I forget what it was called, but something similar. Um, and I, so that's why I majored in that kind of thinking that maybe I'd be interested in the law, but not really, not so much. But then at UCLA, um, I started taking, you know, like more American history classes. Mm-hmm. And you know, the American history they teach at UCLA is very different than the like sugar coated kind of, you know, Catholic school, Catholic school history. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And Thanksgiving and then the Indians and then you give them pumpkins and, and blah, the pilgrims. Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. All got together. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. you you know, you kind of learn the truth. And I learned about the civil rights movement, but like for reals. Yeah. And I learned about, you know, the Chicano movement and all that stuff. And um, I realized that you know, what all these things had in common, what like all this change, what it had in common was that lawyers effectuated this change. Mm. And without lawyers, they couldn't have done it. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And I would love to do that. And, you know, I went to college during the 187 and the 209 situation. Well, let's, let's, I think, I mean, I think a lot of people know what that is, but you're talking about Prop 187, which was the, 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 the statute the, that was really hard on unlawful or undocumented People in California, correct? Correct, yes. Pete Wilson's. uh, Yes, Pete Wilson's. Mm -hmm. And then Prop 209 was the anti-affirmative action bill. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Both on the the ballots in California. Yeah. And Prop 187 did not pass. Am I remembering that correctly? That's right. Yeah. And Prop 209 did. And Prop 209 did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so it was, I I went to college right around when all that stuff was going on. And I remember I would, you know, go to protests and stuff. So, um yeah, it just, it, it solidified my desire of like, I want to be a lawyer, even though, you know, low self-esteem always tells you, are you insane? There's no way you're ever going to be a lawyer, you know, but, but I was like, oh, that just, it seemed so fascinating Why did to you me. think that? You know, um, I, I think it's a, unfortunately a common thing, right? Particularly, yeah. I think among Latinas, or at least Latinas, our generation, I don't know, these young Latinas now are like, good, good for you. They're just, you know, they're, they're, they have so much self-confidence. I think it's awesome, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, I guess I don't want to get too psychological or in terms of the reasons. I think a lot of times we're raised by women that are really tough, yeah. you know? I mean, if, um, I mean, I, I love and adore my mom and I wouldn't change her, but, you know, I think they raised us to be very humble, put yeah. it nicely, <laughs> very <laughs> humble, so much that you like doubt yourself all the time. Um, so I don't know, yeah. maybe that's why, yeah. but I mean... I don't know, I guess I have to go to more therapy to kind of figure out why. But. Well, also, I think, like, we did grow up in a different era where things weren't so readily available to us. And like you said, like, when that attorney went to your school, it was like, wow, how, why is, how, is this attorney, how is this attorney coming to my school? We, don't, we didn't see other people in, being lawyers like us who look like us or who talk like us or... Correct. You know, once I, and that's true, it reminds me of this, this, this great line that I, I heard JLo say, but I don't think she invented it, but I think she, she, she said, was it her or was it Eva Longoria? Anyway, one of them two said, Latinas can't be what they can't see. Right. And I was like, dude, that just, that was so true to me. Like, you know, yeah. I just, it really, it made so much sense. So you're right. I think all those things come together, you know, with our, um, you're right. Like the times that we went, that we grew up, there was no social media, no internet, um, our, I think we had a lot of a lot of us had tough moms, you know, and just, yeah, 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 just we're kind of raised a different way. I don't know. And so, um, you know, it's something that I mean, I to this day still struggle with. But and com- it's complicated, right? Because on the one hand, we're saying that our, our parents, our moms emphasized education in such a like strong way. But yes, our moms were also very tough. You oh, know, so tough. Yeah. yeah, so tough. I know you and I have had, you know, many conversations about it. But yeah, no, um, 
you know, to this day, oh, my mom's not going to hear this because she doesn't, she doesn't speak English, so I can talk shit. But she was, um, she always, to this day, like, my mom will always, um, you know, criticize me when I'm doing something wrong or if I, yeah. if I'm wearing something that doesn't look good or if my hair is a certain way. Like, ay, y tu pelo, mira como te lo arreglas, te ves, te ves media fea. ¿Por ay. qué no? Yeah, or be like, ay, mija, mira, ¿por qué no te peinas? Tira, estás toda despeinada. O como que no te queda muy bien ese vestido. And then like a couple of times I've told her, mami, ¿por qué tú nunca me dices que me veo bien? ¿Por qué no, nunca me dices que me veo bonita? ¿Y por qué te voy a decir eso? Si yo soy tu madre, es para corregirte cuando estás mal. Si estás bien, ¿por qué te tengo que decir? You know, oh, and I'm gosh. just like, ah, oh, so that's, you know, when you grow up like that, you, at the at best, right, humble. Yeah. <laughs> you grow up like, hey, yeah. man, I'm just going to shut up. I'm going to say, you know, but so it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to be like, I'm great. I'm so awesome. You know, it's like, that's I'm tough to. I'm beautiful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And that those, when you, when, I mean, I know your mom and um, when I hear you say that she would, that she tells you these things still, I think mm-hmm. it's harsh, right? Um, and I guess as, as, as you know, and I have told you plenty of stories about my mom. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Hashtag socorro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it's it's probably in our best interest too to just try to understand where they're coming from and how they grew up too. You know, because if it, if it, if if we grew up differently than it is now, imagine how much more differently it was for them growing up. Dude, like my mom, I told you she grew up in a rancho. Like yeah. she's the stories she's told me, and what's sad is she tells me these stories. Like real matter of fact, like it wasn't like horrible. Um, you know, my parents were, you know, used corporal punishment to discipline me and mm-hmm. my sister, um, which I know is very controversial nowadays, but they did. They beat our ass growing up, you know, and my, but my mom, I'm sure if you ask her, she'll be like, I need to pay or, you know, it wouldn't even be a big deal. But my mom got hung from a tree Oof. because she was talking to a boy next Oof. door. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it's just really, and, and she mentions it like it's not. Like, it's not a big deal, you know, yeah. and it's just, and, and her, she tells me about how her dad had to come and, and cut the ropes so that, cause she couldn't breathe and she was like on her tippy toes. And I, I understand when you're saying like, I don't think that, that our parents are the last of the parents that have been hard on, on their kids. I think they're, you know, it, it's important to talk about it. And it's also important to understand where they're coming from too, you know, and mm-hmm. how they must have grown up. My mom was born in 1930, 1930. Wow. That is like a long time ago. When my mom was my age now, it was 1983. I mean, she's lived such a long life over the span of, like, just think how different life is now than it was in 1930. And all in Chihuahua. She was born in Chihuahua. No, she went from Chihuahua to Juarez and then to the United States, yeah. Mm. She lived in Juarez many, many years. That's where she built her little empire. Her little empire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long life, you know. It grew up very differently than we did, and we grew up. I mean, we we think, you know, nineteen eighty was a long time ago, mm-hmm. and it was. But nineteen thirty—that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's. I think it behooves us all to try to understand where people are coming from and mm-hmm. what you know what leads to their own. Yeah, that's true. I think you're absolutely right. I think if we did that more, we'd probably be a little more patient and empathetic for people now and not maybe not so quick to judge folks, right? If you understand where they're coming from. Yeah, because everything's complicated and layered, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still not going to talk to people who voted for Trump. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> I need to draw the line somewhere. It's not that complicated. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. <laughs> all right. So then um, let's, let's, I, I, I know, and then you went to Loyola. Um, I did. You yeah. did. Mm-hmm. But I want to know a little bit about what you do now. What is your job? What is your practice? Well, um, I practice um, personal injury. Yeah. Which is basically I represent plaintiffs um, that have been injured. Um, what type of injuries, Judy? Like, are we talking? I mean, what is your office? Does your office have a focus or? Yeah, I do uh, catastrophic personal injury. 
Um, and basically that means that I represent plaintiffs that have been injured and uh, severely injured. So, you know, we have everything from paraplegics, a lot of wrongful death cases. And, and like in, in injuries resulting from all kinds of different accidents, like can you give me a couple of examples? Yes, absolutely. So we everything we do is civil. So we don't do workers' comp. Okay. But a lot of our cases do have um, a workers' comp like kind of overlap. So I'll give you examples. So yes, many of them are the, the typical auto case that you have, I'm sure I'm very familiar with, right? You get in a car accident um, or, um, you know, you get injured walking down the street or anything like that. But a lot of times, too, we have work-related accidents where a third party that's not the employer mm-hmm. was responsible for your injury. So we have a lot of those cases, too. So, like, for example, if, like, I, I remember working on a case um, where a, a man, a, a man oh, this is really tragic, he had come from Guatemala. He was here. His family was still back in Guatemala. And he died on scaffolding, mm-hmm. scaffolding at work because mm-hmm. the scaffolding like crushed him. Correct. Yes. So he had a workers' comp case against his employer, mm-hmm. but then I think there was something wrong with the scaffolding. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly, but you know what I mean. Right? I do. Yeah. So there was a third party that was responsible for the scaffolding that they they had set it up negligently, and that right. that's what caused the. Yeah. You know what I what I when I explain it to my clients when I when they come to us with a worker they have a workers' comp case and I'm trying to explain to them how our case is different. I always use the Pepsi Coca Cola uh, example. So I tell them, let's assume you work for Pepsi. You're on the clock for Pepsi. You're driving your Pepsi car. And as the light turns green, you you cross at a green light. Um, and then this guy that's driving a Coca-Cola truck who's working for Coca-Cola yeah. slams into you and you get severely injured. So I tell him, you have a workers' comp case because you were on the clock working right. for Pepsi. So you have a workers' comp case with Pepsi. Right. You also have a third party case against Coca-Cola because they're the ones that hit you. So, yeah, yeah so that's kind of how I break it down. That's a pretty good example. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you about your clientele. What is your clientele like? Well, I would say like 95% are monolingual Spanish speaking clients. Yeah. So, um, large part of them are, you know, and and even if they're English speaking, a lot of them are, are Latino. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's rewarding and familiar in that, in the way that I see a lot of of myself. I see my parents and a lot of my clients, Um, you know, I always say we're not just bilingual, we're bicultural. So we understand a lot of the little nuances that, you know, um, exist in our culture. So, um, whereas, you know, I dare say perhaps other firms may not understand certain concerns or fears that they would have, you know, our firm does, we have very oftentimes a very similar history, similar background to our clients. So I think that really helps us understand what they're going through. Do you think it's it? Well, I mean... I know what I think, but do you, I mean, is it a benefit to your clients and in what way? I think so. Yeah, I think, um, I think they definitely connect with us. I think it's such like contrary to what insurance defense firms might think or what, what insurance companies might think, no plaintiff wants to be in that situation. It's not a money grab. They're not, they would much rather just, you know, be able to walk again and not have any money. Um, or go back to where they were before exactly. any of this happened. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and contrary to what they might think too, they're not litigious. From I would say, I think literally almost 100% of my clients have never filed a lawsuit before. This is their very first yeah. lawsuit. Yeah. Um, you know, no se la pasan suing everybody. Like it's, it's, they suffered this horrible injury and they're terrified. Sometimes they're undocumented. Yeah. Um, and Sometimes they can't work anymore. Yes, yeah. exactly. They can't provide for their family. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, especially for men, I, I, I see it too. Like they, you know, when they're, the, they were the sole breadwinner and they were providing for their family and now to not be able to provide it yeah. just like aside from the horrific, painful physical injuries, it's, it's very traumatic psychologically, emotionally. Um, and anyway, all that to say that, yes, I think it benefits the client that we understand them and that we share that history. Because como que tienen más confianza to ask yeah. us and they know that we get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think they feel judged or, you know, not, and I'm not saying other firms do, but I'm just saying I, I think that really helps us to understand each other and they feel at home, I think, with us. I mean, I think I, you know, I, I definitely can relate to what you're saying because you're just able to have this connection with your clients that maybe somebody who doesn't have the same background or even can speak the language can really have with with yeah and you know i'll be honest with you and, and i hope this doesn't sound offensive but you know i i always trip out on that i'll say that, that's i'll say it nicely that when when you have 
an attorney that you can't speak to directly. I just don't understand don't how either. you can do that. You know, it's like if I had a client that I couldn't speak their language, it, like if you're relying on somebody else to translate for you, that's, I, I, I would imagine things get lost and you can't really connect with them. Oh, it's I, so I, hard. Yeah, I completely agree with you because I don't, I don't think that I would ever take on a client whose language I don't speak. Trying to explain to somebody the legal system in the language that, that you and they speak is so hard anyway, right? Correct. The legal yes. the legal system has its own language. Mm-hmm. And so try to put that in a way that is understandable to people who are not in the legal system is hard enough. But then you get an interpreter involved or it is just I don't I don't understand it either. I, I don't I've never represent, I've never represented somebody who doesn't speak English or Spanish. Yeah, same here. But I know that there's a lot of people out there who do and you know I mean yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know. Because, I mean, we live in California, so there's a lot of non-English speaking people out there, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not, again, when, yeah, I know you're not either trying to criticize those who who don't speak the language of their clients. But for me, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you've, you've mentioned, um, you've said we. We represent or we try. And mm-hmm. who is we? Well, we is... Um, my firm, Perez yes. and Perez. So I actually work with my significant other, and we uh, there's actually four uh, attorneys total. Um, so Frank Perez is my significant other, and he works. He's he's the main dude. He's, he's, <laughs> yes, he's the main AKA dude. AKA boss man. <laughs> we have uh, we have other attorneys that work. Yeah. there as well. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we actually just moved. We were on the corner of Olympic and Flower in downtown, and now we're um, in the old Transamerica building, um, the, on the sixth floor. So. So and yeah, you're you're a very downtown person, aren't you? Yes, I am a very downtown person. <laughs> I I live in downtown, and I work in downtown. Yeah, uh, my office uh, is just about an, a, a mile, one point two miles from my apartment. So I'm a downtowner. Well, I think I beat you because my office is pretty close to my house too. Oh, re- oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's five close. blocks away. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it is mile wise. <laughs> <laughs> you're much better like you actually walk to work sometimes I do you? you know I, I brave the, the streets of downtown I know <laughs> we're not going to get into that conversation today but yeah downtowns <laughs> it's unfortunate what's what's going on there but uh, yeah I I I, I uh, I risk it and walk to work sometimes. The city life, the urban life. Yeah, you got to be careful, man. You just, you know, no, no headphones, no cell phones. You just, you know, you just got to be ready. Yeah. You just got to be ready to run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, this is why I don't live downtown. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot either run. I can barely walk. <laughs> um, and you do like being downtown. I know, I know there are negatives to it, of course. But I think there's also some positives about being downtown because I know you love all the restaurants and the food and all the alleys. Yes. Oh, my God. My callejones don't mess with my callejones. I love the callejones. Yeah, I'm very close. So my new office is actually very close to the callejones. So I'm very happy about that. Um, yeah, I, I do. So, you know, I, I will, well, we won't talk about the bad points right now, but this, the positive points, it's great. You know, um, I live very close to the music center. Yeah. And um, so there's some, you know, a couple great restaurants up there. Um, and Grand Park. And Grand Park, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, there's also um, California Plaza. So in the summer, they have like summer concerts. Yeah. And you could yeah. just, you know, take your little picnic and, and you know, go watch concerts. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in downtown. What are your favorite restaurants downtown? Oh, goodness. Um so I think it just depends on what category you're talking about because mm. you know I mean there's little Tokyo down oh, there, yeah, there and is. then there's like the fancy or steakhouse type restaurant so that's a tough question Sandra because you know yeah, oh my goodness but I, okay I would definitely say if I have to just throw some out there right now because you put me on the spot so in little Tokyo there's this place I shouldn't even say it because then people are going to start going there but okay. anyway there's okay. a place I think you're uh, overestimating there's, there's all your audiences <laughs> the go, audience. and they're going to it's hard not go to to this it restaurant. It's hard enough to get a darn reservation at this place. I'm not going to say the name, but there's a place. <laughs> no, I'm serious. There's a place in Little Tokyo that has, um, like, it's all chicken and they just have chicken skewers. Oh my God. I know it sounds super boring, but dude, it's super bomb. I think it's yakitori, right? What's what they call it? Yes. It? Yeah. Um, but it was puro pollo, but they have like funky different types of chicken like yes they have chicken breasts and chicken meatballs but like at least pre-pandemic they'd had like more kind of exotic parts of the chicken Mm -hmm. and yes i said exotic parts of the chicken like they'd have 
a chicken, I know it's going to sound but like a chicken butt. So it's not the butt. It's it's the little, well, I guess it is. It's like where the like feathers. Like the anus? Not, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like the little, the little, um, the little nub. The butthole? The little nub the, where you put the, where you put the feathers, where the feathers go. Like there's a little nub. Okay, you know, I'm not wiggles. that familiar with chicken butts. Anyway, it's delicious. Okay. It's delicious. And um, it's Are a great Are you sure place. you don't want to give the name? I, I don't totally don't want to give the name to that place. Those that know, no. Google um, chicken yeah. butts yeah. <laughs> in Little Tokyo. Oh, it's so good. And then just like if you just want to chill during the day and have a glass of wine and then like bomb charcuterie and a cheese board, Pally Wines. I love Pally Wines. That's in the Arts District? Correct. Yes. And then um, like Steakhouse. Oh, well, there's, you know, Capital. Capital Grill is amazing. Um, shout out to my people at the Capitol Grill because I know they're listening. Um, <laughs> um, Nick and Steph's is bomb. You know, Vespayo's right next door to our place, so that's so good. I've that's been really good to place. all those restaurants. Yes, you are. You're fancy. I am yeah. so not fancy. <laughs> you know, there's a new place um, uh, at top of the Conrad Hotel. On, we're at the Grand. It's like a new place. Um, I've been trying to get you to go there to have the pescado frito. Dude, it's so bomb. They have really good fish there. Yeah, you've shown me the fried fish. Yes, it's like a big whole fish and it's like staring at you. And I'm like, can't you just get the mojarra at Cuatro Vientos? Yeah, it's so different. (laughs) It's not a mojarra. This is a saltwater fish. Oh. Mojarra is a river fish, right? Yeah, it's freshwater. Anyway, yeah. Mojarra, right? Del Rio, like it's a little river of mojarra. Whereas this is sea bream. This is oh, like fancy, yes, girl. Yes. So. All right. Well, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we went but, off on a tangent, but anyway, we were talking. No. Well, oh, we were talking not. about downtown and the restaurants. Okay. Because you okay. know, food is so important. I love food. Yeah. I love a, I love a dinner with friends where you're just sitting around having good food. Oh, it's the best. Maybe some cocktails mm-hmm. and just talking, catching yeah, up. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel I feel like we should be having tacos here because <laughs> well, I thought I thought you were going to greet me with tacos, but I guess Well, not. do you want to talk about what we ate before we started today? Oh, you don't have to tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell. Okay. I'm telling. So, I ordered Zanku cuz I love Zanku and I know you do too. Yeah, it's delicious. And then Judy stopped by with the cheeseburger <laughs> and fries. So, we had Cuz we passed by Astro. How are you going to pass by Astro and not get a cheeseburger? That's true. Astro so. burger is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Although I'm I'm partial to John's burger. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have to do a side-by-side. Like That's I said, right. We have to do it On the next episode mm-hmm. of Law and Order Me Some mm-hmm. Cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of tacos, Judy Perez. Yes. Your favorite three tacos, location and or types. Oh, God, I should have been ready for this question. I knew you were going to ask me that. Th- favorite three. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, oof. okay, El Parian Birria Taco. Really? Where is that? Uh, on Pico, I think. Downtown? It's, 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 it's a little bit fr- like out, out, outside. We've never been to El Pariat together? I have not, no. Okay, yeah, that's good. It's a Viria place. And it's a sit-down? Like it's a- yeah, it's a little sit-down, but nothing yeah. fancy. I'm going to say... The birria tacos at El Paria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it really birria tacos anywhere, but that's I, I like their birria. And you like goat bor- birria or you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. To this day, you're still eating goat birria? Correct, yes, yes, yes. I know that birria is supposed to be goat, right? That's right, yes. I know I'm not... Oh, you're saying because you, I, I didn't get traumatized from my growing up? Well, I'm my, just saying I, 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 goat birria is, is very strong, mm-hmm. right? It has that really gamey, gamey taste. I prefer a beef birria. Well, you know, with the, with the with you just haven't had a good goat. It depends what the goat eats because okay. if it's you know some goats, I I know what you mean. They're you know tienen un tufito kind of like it, it, it smells a little too too gamey. It's but, gamey, yeah. Yeah, but not all of it. it. It just depends on preparation and what the goat ate, in my in my opinion. But okay, but yeah. So I do I do love chivo bi, chivo birria. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what other taco do I love? Well, I mean a carne asada taco, honestly from. Anywhere. I mean, in Highland Park, there's a couple of taco stands that are just, you know, by the road there on, on uh, Figueroa and uh, what is that? Uh, York and Figueroa. That's it's really excellent. Mm. Um, the Cuatro Vientos shrimp tacos, super bomb. Yeah, you like those shrimp tacos at Cuatro I Vientos. I do love yeah. shrimp tacos, man. I'll tell you my issue with those okay. is that they have tomato. Dude, ¿por qué estás peleada with the tomato? I That's don't like, like the tomato. Why? I think, you know how some people have like a... Uh, a t- so like they can't they can't um, eat cilantro because yeah. it tastes like soap to them. Oh, I haven't heard of this. I believe that's accurate. 
(laughs) Don't quote me. Um, I think that that's the same with tomato. Like I have something that it's just, the taste of it ruins everything for me because it's so acidy and... Okay. I also don't like the texture of tomato. Has this always been the case for you always. as a child? Okay. Always. Okay. I have never liked tomatoes. Pero salsa, you'll have salsa. Yes, but it has to be fully blended. Okay. Like I don't like a chunky red tomato salsa. Mm-hmm. Same with like um, like a spaghetti sauce. It, it, as long as it's fully blended, it's fine. Okay. I know it's weird, but I, I it, the the taste of avocado, the taste of tomato is very no good. Well, you know what other tacos are bomb? They call them tacos. To me, they're burritos, but they call them the tacos La Palma with the, with the, but I mean, to me, that's a burrito. Come on. Because it's got a tortilla de harina. And well, I think it's called burritos La Palma. I think it's, don't they call them tacos? No, I think they're called burritos. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's but you're right. Because they, it's a, it, they're very, th- they're thin. Yes. It's a tortilla de harina. And there's no beans, rice or anything. It's just a, it's just a meat. There's no beans? No. And there's one. I think it. I think there's one. Was there, I think they have a bean and cheese burrito. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But then they also have like tinga. Yes, and they have a birria. Oh no, a barbacoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are delicious. So those good. are good. Those burritos mm-hmm. or tacos, whatever you want to call them, La Palma are very good. Mm-hmm. What about yours? What are your favorite? Are you? Are we allowed to ask you what your no, favorite? No, you're okay. not allowed. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna enough. have to cut you off. Now. Okay. <laughs> you're gonna have to leave the house right now. Okay. <laughs> um, no, no, I uh, I haven't concluded my <laughs> final list, but I have in the in the past mentioned that I'm a sucker for the Al Pastor tacos from King Taco. Oh, okay. With the red salsa. Because okay. the red salsa is everything to me, like everything. You know, I will say, now that you said al pastor, when we went, I just went to Mexico City, and they had some bomb tacos. Like, I don't remember the name of the place, but just I excellent mean, I've, tacos. The best man. tacos I've had were in Mexico City. Yeah, I mean, just so bomb. Dude. I had al pastor was, yeah. oh, tripas. Tripas, bomb. yeah. I remember, because I have family in Mexico City, my cousin, and then his, you know, his wife and his kids. And when we go visit them, it is really basically just like an eating marathon. <laughs> but I had told them this one time that I really wanted to go to a really good taco place. And we had planned it. But before we went to the taco place, they, put, they gave us a full-on meal, like enchiladas and, you know, that they had made. And we ate all that. And then they were like, okay, let's go to the tacos now. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> But I powered through, man. Yeah. I powered through, and I had those tacos at Tripa, and they were so delicious. Dude, it's so delicious. Tijuana has a bomb tacos, too. Tijuana has very good tacos. Mm-hmm. I had my first queso taco in, in Tijuana, you know, oh. where they make the, the tortillas just melted cheese. Oh, that's yummy. Like mm-hmm. a quesadilla de maíz? No tortilla, though. Oh, snap. I've never had that. So I think I know what you're talking about, but I... I like. Have you not, yeah, I think they, they do them here now with... They do them here, Like too, keto or keto, something. Keto, yeah. Yes, yes. But it's just... they. They put a pile of uh, cheese on the grill until it melts and it becomes like a tortilla. Like a tortilla, yeah. Oh, that sounds yummy. Yeah, I mean, how can you go wrong with mm-hmm. that? And you know, kudos to my mom, kudos to Bancha. What do you call it? Hashtag Bancha. She makes, and it's going to sound like just so simple, but she makes these tacos de frijol, which like are so good. So, she, you know, los frijoles, she makes from refried beans and they're like, uh, I don't know what she puts in it. Lard? I'm, yeah, probably. <laughs> she probably puts lard in it. They're just so good. And she makes them, like, like packs them ahead of time, puts like, mm. in Ziploc bags. And so she'll be like, mija, I made tacos de frijol, quieres? I'm like, hell yeah. So she'll, you know. She'll, and are they fried or they're just the tortilla? No, it's just no. a tortilla. So calienta la tortilla to make mm-hmm. it. And then, you know, they get they, they cool off. And then I put them in the fridge. And yeah. then whenever I want to heat one up, I put it in the toaster. Oh. oh That's s- glorious. It's so good. My mom growing up, would make <laughs> weenie ha- weenie tacos. Really? Yeah. So Con she, huevo or how did no, you? No, no. So she would just like boil the weenies, right? Oh, boil. And then cut them in half. Okay. And then wrap them in a tortilla and then fry them. Oof. And I mean, they were a staple. <laughs> really? Con salsa? Con or? lechuga and sour cream. Kind of like a flauta, mm. but without the ground beef. I, 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 now I realize that it was probably a budget thing, right? Because hot dogs <laughs> were probably cheaper than, than carne de res. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, like, you know, delicious. delicious. Yeah, with lechuga and the crema and the salsa. Oh, that does sound good. Right? I've been mm-hmm. meaning to make some here at my house, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, recently, but... Yeah, that's, 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 man, that might be up there for me. <laughs> Weenie hot dog. That's so like. Have you, you've never bocho. made them? I've Seriously. never made them. No, no. I recently have taken up like 
cooking than more than my usual repertoire because I have a repertoire of like three dishes and I'm trying to expand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been meaning to make those those tacos de weenies. Yeah, that does sound good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally. I haven't, I haven't seen them out there in many other taco stands. <laughs> I'm gonna but start a new tradition. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you also used to like um, put the weenie? The hot dog ran onto the fire and turn it around? Yes, with a fork. Yeah. 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 I used to do we that. We did that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but we never boiled them. We would always grill. Yeah. We'd always grill or like in the asador. We never boiled the hot dog. Well, they were boiled first, but then they were put into oil and fried okay. in the tortilla. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> just to make sure they're cooked. Yes. Yeah. Which, uh, Although, which is, you could eat them raw. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, those might be up there for me, but maybe more because of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, I love a hot dog. Yeah. With oh. huevo. Did you? Yes, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. You cut it up and you have it yeah, from in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. All right. So, did you give me three tacos? I did. I think I, I gave you my uh, cuatro vientos. I gave you birria and I gave you. El parian. No, el well, parian yeah, was the birria. Yeah. And I gave you. Um, asada. Asada from, yeah. Like from tacos. anywhere. Yeah. Really from anywhere, dude. But yeah, I but I do the cilantro, the, the uh, cebolla, the whole nine. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's a trip, though? Like, why is it in LA with all the paisanos that we have here that we can't get it that it's so hard to get handmade tortillas like dude in mexico every taco is like handmade tortilla and here it's like you know i mean don't get me wrong it's still good you know yeah. like you know like king taco has a tortilla whatever but i don't know why they just don't make like is it that not is it not cost effective is it that expensive like why do we just is do we not have good masa or what's the thing well i mean i, th- I think it's time intense maybe it's time intensive like when you're on the stand no yeah, I there don't are know. some places that have yeah like there's a place here in east l.a called chicali mm-hmm. and i think they have i think it's mexicali tacos um, and they do handmade flour tortillas. Oh, that's so delicious. Yeah. I mean, you cannot be... The thing is about a handmade torti- handmade flour tortilla, I don't even really need meat. Just put some butter on that yeah. and, you know, give it to me because I, I love a handmade flour tortilla. Oh, it's delicious. So no- Sonora Town or Sonora, that place in downtown LA has one. That yeah. They do, they do flour too. Yeah. No, I agree. I just, I'm a, I'm a Jalisco girl. Jalisco, Jalisco, I didn't really grow up with the flour. I grew up more... Corn. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, flour is delicious. Yeah. Um, like those Puerto Nuevo tortillas are just oh so bomb. Oh my God, with oh, the lobster. So oh, yeah. the frijolitos, you just dip it in there, mm, delicious. Yeah. But um, but I'm just saying like for tacos, you know, it's Handmade just, it's, yes. you would think in LA you could get them everywhere and it's not that common. I wish it was... Um, and maybe it is, and I just don't know. Like, I wish you could just go get a dozen handmade flour tortillas. Right, like in Mexico. Recently made, yeah. 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 I you know, know where you can do that, too, is in El Salvador. Oh. But their tortillas are a little bit different, right? They're the thicker ones. Oh, but okay. those are just like, you know, when you're about to eat, they're like, you know, go, go get, get that. Ve a agarrar las tortillas, you know? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is, yeah. I remember that happening, too, when we would visit my family in, in Chihuahua. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure there are places where you can go get. Yeah, but again, it's just not as readily, not as, not as accessible, right? Yeah. Like, yeah I wish there was sh- a drive-through. A drive-through tortilla place. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good idea. Right. Where you could get flour or corn. Yeah. Oh, that'd be just delicious. get a dozen, like when you have to go mm-hmm. to dinner. Mm-hmm. And you could get sopas too if you want to yeah. make sopas or gorditas. Oh yeah. Let's start we're a business. Onto something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Or people just drive. Well, did you do, I do get the elot- the elote. Guy, um, guy the, uh, okay. walking by here. That sounds like elote cocido or mm-hmm. like elote mm-hmm. con, you know, elote esquite or whatever, mm-hmm. with uh, mayonnaise and parmesan and all that. Uh, you know, I've, I've never really gotten into that. I, I'm, I'm more of a elote asado kind of a girl. I love grilled corn. Just as, you know, that's how yeah. I, I don't that. like a mayonesa. I don't like my mayonnaise on my elote, mm-hmm. but I do like the parmesan and the butter and the tahini. <sighs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that I like the cotija, like morderle oh, al cotija yeah. on the side. Oh, yeah. Or even crumbled on top is fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, but not, yeah, I can't, it's, it's not your thing. It's not my thing, like the whole, you know, I scraping. I love cotija. Oh, a shit. It's yeah, so cotija is so delicious. Mm-hmm. Dude, you know what else is super bomb? Oaxaca cheese, that stringy cheese. Oh, yes. Dude. I yes. just, I, when I came back from Mexico City, we went to Coyacan and I bought some at the Mercado. Oh, I mean, cheese is just generally so good. It's so bomb. And, but like the Mexican, like the, yeah, that stinky yeah. cheese, it's good. I don't like it too hard, though. Like a semi-seco is like the best. Yeah. Not too salado, you know. It's just, are we going off topic here? But, well, yeah. I'll order me some cheese. Yeah. <laughs> 
Dude, I trip out. Like when you going when you visit Mexico and you don't come back with candy and cheese, it's like I know, you right? know, your maleta has to stink a little bit, you know, because it's <laughs> yeah, you just gotta come back with some cheese. It's just not you the have same. to come back with cheese. You do. I yeah, my I, my my family and I, you know what's really good and it's not that hard, easy to find is asadero cheese from Chihuahua. Mm. Mm. I have heard I have heard of. I think I've had it too. But yeah, is that the one that has a little red on the outside? I don't know. I, I don't remember. Does uh, it? I, don't I think, think like it a, does. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Like a, uh-huh. Yeah, um, like a wannabe monster, but it's right because there's a cheese that has like a a red wax, right? Well, that's the gouda, like the gouda. <laughs> but I'm um, no, I'm talking. The, there's like a like a. It looks like a red chili powder outside. I think that might be. Is that asadero? Oh, I know which one you're talking about. No, that's not asadero. Oh, okay. Um, but I just want to tell you the story about the cheese with the red wax on it yeah right like the bonnie ba- baby bell baby bell cheese uh, there's another one where it's not that big gouda yeah i think you're talking to gouda like they, it, what they sell it in in, in like little uh, yeah. triangles in any case our dear friend Rigo, just remember one time we were having that kind of cheese and we were like do you want some and he was like oh i don't eat pork because he thought the outside of it was pork and we were like <laughs> Oh wow! It's so inter- <laughs> <laughs> it's just really interesting because there's just so many things we didn't grow up with, you mm-hmm. know. And so when we come to this, a, a lot of things that are new to us, we're t- with the rancho sometimes come out comes out, right? Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah. With the little the little Bonnie Baby Bell or whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah, I, I when I first saw them, I was like, how do you, I thought you bit into it? <laughs> I didn't realize that there was that little line in the middle to open it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you didn't think it was pork. I didn't think it was pork, no. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I guess you just bite through the wax. Yeah. Oh, Rico. So. Oh, it's oh yeah. <laughs> anyway so let, let me ask you one last question judy because you are a latina lawyer yes you've been practicing for how long have you been practicing since 2002 so 20 years oh wow yeah it's yeah it goes by fast doesn't it it really does and you're also you know very well known in the latino legal community I often see statistics about how Latinos make up only 2% of the lawyer numbers in California, Mm -hmm. right? Even though we make up a much higher percentage of the population in California. And it's easy to forget that we only make up 2% of lawyers in in California because we hang around with so many Latino lawyers, Mm -hmm. right? And we belong to um, bar associations like the Mexican-American Bar Association. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that you're very prominent and well-known in the Latino legal community. Oh, go on. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> you are a former president of the Mexican-American Bar Association. You're mm-hmm. actually very critical to the organization's success, and I don't mean that oh, as an exaggeration. You, you are super dedicated to the organization, and you do so much for it. But I wanted to ask you, because I know maybe there are some younger attorneys um, who are listening to us, or maybe there are some people who are thinking about going to law school who are listening to us, or maybe there are just some people who want to know what it's like for you and for us to be Latinas in this community. Um, I just wanted to ask you, what is what is has it been like for you? And what would you say to others who want to join or who want to be a part of this community? That's a great question, Sandra. So, um, you know, and I could talk about that for a long time, but I'm going to try to be succinct because this is my wrap-up question. But so, um, how has it been for me? Question one. Um, You know, it's been quite a roller coaster, but I wouldn't change it for the world. It's, you know, it's, somebody famously said what you know anything worth having is you know it takes a lot of work and there's a lot of challenges um it has been tough you know some days are better than others and you know given the the history and given my story and my background and which is obviously very similar to yours you can appreciate the challenges that you know you had to overcome to get to this point right um so it has been tough but it's it's so rewarding and again as i uh as I explained a little bit earlier about the type of clients that I have when, you know, having that opportunity to work with clients like that, it's just, it's so rewarding. And I realized that, you know, what I, the work I do is important and the story that I share with them is important. And, um, I don't know, like I said, I, I feel like I can provide them with the type of service that, that I don't, I think few others can because I'm uniquely situated. Um, so dovetailing into your question number two, what do I say to folks that are, Latina specifically that are thinking about doing this. I mean, that's honestly been one of my like, uh, I guess, missions. I know that sounds kind of grandiose, but 
any chance I get to talk to Latinas, particularly Latinas that I identify with, that have my story, I'm always trying to get them to go to law school if they're remotely interested. You know, our voice needs to be out there. It's an opportunity for them not only to feel empowered, but to empower others too. So I would absolutely encourage Latinas to do it. and uh, again, it, we, our numbers are dismal, you know, yeah. to provide a voice. And for I just the wanted to be clear with respect to the 2%, that's 2% Latinas make up 2% of the legal, of the legal community. Yeah, my, yeah, I, I have heard that statistic, and it's yeah. 2%, I think, in the country, right? I think we're 2% of Latinos, of Lat- and I, it might be even less in the state. I probably should have Googled that before I was using but statistics it's, yeah, on the but podcast, it but sounds, it's a minimum. It's like really bad. It's yeah. a minimal number is my <laughs> point. Really we're, we don't, we're not, yeah. There's not a lot of us. Yeah, correct. And we're like over 50% of the population in California. Right. And then it's, it's, it's very, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously we need folks, you know, to represent us. And again, not to say that other folks can't, we, yeah. you know, but... But it really helps well, you know, I did, yeah, identify. I, I think it goes back to, again, like for people who don't see attorneys on a regular basis or who don't know any attorneys or, you know, who don't see people who look like us as attorneys. It's important for us to, to, to tell them and to tell others that you can do it, right? It's not. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when I, uh, I try to do career days as much as I can yeah. and when I go back, you know, I always start my story with, you know, about me. And I know that that sounds possibly arrogant or like oh why is judy talking about herself and it's like i because i don't want them to think i'm you know special or like there's something extraordinary about me i'm just a rig i'm just like you and i want that i want them to to know that look if i did it because look at me and and to the extent that they can identify with my story that's why i lead with that because i want them to to possibly see themselves in me and um you know, I mean, not that I want somebody to emulate. I've God knows I've made plenty of mistakes in my life, but wow. again, but just to the to the extent that if my story motivates them to go to, to go to school and and be a lawyer, I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, or just to know that anything's possible, and that you know there are people who have come from your backgrounds who have gone that route, and it's totally doable. And I have gotten, I mean, I know that because I've done it, but I also know it because a lot of my friends have done it I know their story but I have learned even in the short time that this podcast has been in existence where I've gotten to know more in depth people's backgrounds it it is really remarkable that some of us have gotten to where we are (laughs) I know Mm -hmm. that sounds very like self-congratulatory but that's okay too you know like to to pat ourselves on the back and be like hey we're doing this because it is the legal community is not very brown or it's not very um, it's not very brown women, you know, mm-hmm. like so there's so many times when you're in court or you're, you're somewhere and there's like nobody who looks like you, you know, and oh, absolutely. even in law school, that was also very intimidating. Um, so yeah, it is, it, it's okay for us to be like, yeah, we did it. And so can you, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And uh, I think it's so fitting that I'm drinking from your coffee mug that says <laughs> Chola Chingona Cabrona. So, And who gave me that? Another Latina lawyer. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I truly have found a lot of comfort in the fact that so many of us support each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not everybody, but <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, not everybody. But but yeah, for the most part, I think so too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. What would you say to a young attorney who's just getting started? I think I'd oh gosh, you put me on the spot. But if I had to say something now, I think I'd quote Socorro and say "Echale ganas." Yeah, yeah. I'd say Hashtag Socorro. Hashtag Socorro. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, Judy, I super, super appreciate you coming here and taking time because I know you have a very busy life and a very busy schedule. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd appreciate you also just coming here and being um, candid and open. It, and, I, and I also will tell you so that you know, you'll be invited again. <laughs> what? I don't know. What, listen to this, play it back, and, and then I'll and reserve that for later. But we'll, we'll have to see. see what the feedback is from our white audience. I know, yeah. You might get, I might get bad reviews. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, Judy, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you so much for having me. Now, if you enjoyed today's podcast and you're thinking, hey, I think I need to speak to a lawyer you should get in touch with me. You can do that by going to scmlawoffices.com and sending me a message there. If you're not ready to do that, definitely say hi anyway. You can connect with me on Twitter at SEM underscore in underscore ELA. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.